Hello and welcome to Gate of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin to analyse Liverpool's win against Ajax and look ahead to Saturday's game against Leeds. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool are through to the Champions League round of 16 to beat Ajax 3-0 with goals either side of half-time from Salah, Nunez and Harvey Elliott. It threatened to be a bit more difficult, perhaps in the early stages of the match, but in the end, comfortable enough game to guarantee Liverpool a spot in the knockout stages once again. So, Chris, as per usual, let's start with the three red match reviews. And I like when we do these to almost take it back to the pre-match discussion on social media, etc. And today we saw a change in system or almost a reversion of system potentially from Jürgen Klopp. So what did you think of that decision and how did it kind of look for you within the game? Because it was maybe a little bit harder to pin down the exact setup today. Yeah, evening, Dave. Um, you're right. And what you alluded to there changed my three words, if you like, because in the second half, I was thinking about what my three words would be when I'd come on. And throughout the second half, I was kind of thinking along the lines of perfect away day or something like that. But then I kept on remembering the first half an hour, 35 minutes, and that was far from perfect. So ultimately, my three-word match report is tale of chances because Ajax didn't take theirs and Liverpool, on the most part, did. And that was ultimately, for me, the decisive factor because certainly if Berghaus scores within three minutes, if Tadic finishes his opportunity, we could be talking about a much nervier situation now going into game week six. But... We aren't. Liverpool are through to the last 16, which is great. Um, Pre-match, again, my my mentality was just along the lines of, look, any which way, get through. Get through, ask questions later, those those kind of things. Um, I'm never really sure how you approach a game to draw it, if that makes sense. I mean, unless... You know, you go back to Austria, West Germany and all those years ago when they absolutely, well, it wasn't even a draw, but you get what I mean. They they planned to, to draw the game. As, or, um, they planned for Germany to win the game and go through as such. But in terms of for Liverpool to, you know, how they approached the game, I don't think trying to draw it was ever going to be in the mentality because that is a very dangerous game to play at times. And I think you saw from the approach, it was actually the lineup I predicted, which I'm quite proud of to be honest. Um, and it just felt that the, the balance from about 35 minutes on, the balance clicked eventually because at halftime, I was going to talk about how poor I thought Fabinho was in the first half, how uncomfortable I thought Joe Gomez looked in the first half. But ultimately, once Liverpool hit their stride and really kind of powered on after that, Across the pitch, it was the most comfortable away from home. Maybe you know, they've looked obviously since the Rangers game, but in terms of a high pressure game, from a certain point onwards, they were the most comfortable that I've seen them this season. So, all in all, of course, there's things to look at and things to analyze, but it's job done at the end of the day, or the end of the night, rather. Away victory is obviously few and far between for us this season as well. So, I've got to cherish it from that standpoint. I'll start. I think with the the formation, the thing that I'm 
sort of thinking about this now is we maybe get too wrapped up in labeling it a 433, a 442, a 4331. Even tonight, there was an element of 4312. And I think there's that much fluidity that it's almost, it's a bit academic, really, what it might be on a team sheet at the start of the game. And it's more about the sort of, obviously, you've got the on-ball and off-ball contrast um, in terms of how a team might set up. But also the amount of sort of different formations you might take. Because tonight, for example, you, you've seen moments of Nunez playing on the left-hand side. Maybe in that scenario, it's looking like a 4-3-3. And then maybe Firmino drops off. Nunez and Salah kind of come in from the flanks. And then 4-3-1-2. So it's almost like maybe we can't isolate to, to one single setup. Um, and I don't think top coaches necessarily think that way nowadays either. Um, but it's good to see Liverpool have flexibility, definitely. Um, my three-word review was nine-minute blitz because that's what it was if you look at the actual um, match minutes, if you like. The the first probably 35, 40 minutes of the game, I thought Liverpool were, were pretty awful, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. I tried to defend us after the first half against Forest, but I was thinking there, I can't really defend anything. I'm I'm seeing here, to be fair, I think, you know, people might look at it and say there was some decent spells of possession and that, but it just kind of felt like directionless to me. And the quality of football that Ajax were playing compared to, to, to what we were doing, you know, the goal for was pretty stark, to be fair. And I was almost grimacing every time they came forward. I was bracing myself really for, for them to get the breakthrough. Um, having said that, and we were just saying this off air, Chris, the the big chances that they had, th- there was an element of of luck in there in terms of deflections um, and clearances coming back their way, and, and also I think there's a foul on Virgil Van Dijk for the second one. So you you do kind of have to consider that, I suppose. But it, it was mostly the general play um, that was worrying me. Um, but yeah, second half completely different story. And again, I was saying to you beforehand, Chris, it felt like. An older version of Liverpool because sometimes we would see, I think, um, games where we start and and look sort of a shadow of our usual selves. But then by the end of it, you just kind of sat there, reclined in your chair, and it's it's all very relaxed and it's all very comfortable. And you know they just have the quality to turn the game on its head. So, what did you make of the performance, kind of as a whole? Good question. Um, I totally agree. What you yeah, when you say about the the luck involved in the Ajax chances, I thought the first one, the first one wasn't so much luck; it was just horrendous defending because it was so easy from a throw in, so easy, just knife through butter. Berghaus should do better. The second one, for me on FIFA 23 this year, I have lost count of the amount of times I've tried to clear the ball, and it has ricocheted perfectly to the feet of my opponent. Maybe that's because I need to improve my FIFA skills, but it's also a lot of luck. And, you know, when Joe Gomez, look, he's just thinking anywhere will do with this clearance. It cannons back to Brobby on the right-hand side, his cross finds Tadic, and it's a very good block from Trent Alexander-Arnold in the end. And I kind of felt after that moment, Ajax's head started to go down a little bit because they were thinking, "Is it, we've had two massive chances here. We haven't taken either of them. And then when 
Salah scores in the manner that he does with the goalkeeper in total, in the total definition of no man's land, that was when you felt like a balloon had just lost its air, really, from an Ajax perspective. And then the gaps did start to appear, absolutely. In terms of the performance as a whole, I sense a little bit of a panic in the first half. I can't lie, just because they was they were swarming, they were energetic, they were thinking, you know, we have to win this game to stand a chance of getting through on the final match day. But as I alluded to earlier, from the part just before half time with Salah's goal, um, obviously should have been two, and we'll come on to that. But from half from just before half time onwards, you sensed the taking of control from Liverpool and that was the impressive thing after so many disappointing away days this season to go to a place with a really ferocious atmosphere and and boss it from a point onwards in terms of showing the arrogance showing the quality it's a good trait to have given that Liverpool's next and only away game before the World Cup is away to Spurs and well I mean I'm sure They've, uh, well, I know they've got a few games between now and then, but they'll want to be uh, making up for the drama that uh, they experienced at Tottenham today. So it's a good, you know, if anything, it's set a bit of a standard away from home as well. Just how Liverpool should act, how they should play, how they should treat the opposition, certainly from about 40 minutes onwards. And it's hopefully set a bit of a blueprint for, the, for them to go, right, we know we're this good, so let's act like it. And that is definitely a point I want to revisit a little bit later on. Staying on the FIFA note, though, I think <laughs> Nunez might have felt like he was a victim of some scripting when he uh, put that shot against the post. He then obviously scores in um, early on in the second half, thankfully. So what did you make of the latest sort of chapter in this chaotic Darwin-Nunez sort of saga that we're, that's uh, developing this season? Well, I said to you at half time, I might need 48 hours to recover from that. <laughs> um, you know what? The main thing I take from tonight, from Nunez, and I've thought this a few times, but today was the best example of it. He's not letting his head go down. If that was me, and I miss an opportunity like that, I, 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 I want the ground to beat me up. I just want to hide. I don't know if I'd want to get out for the second half, but what I'm sensing from Nunez is look, he probably thought when that when that happened and it rebounded out, he thought, oh, here we go. It's Twitter's going to have its, its night of fun or whatever. And the header was actually really, really good for a number of reasons. It's, it's a much more difficult chance than the one he missed, but he shows the aggression. He shows the strength to make the header his and it's a really good header into the bottom corner I don't know many keepers that would get anywhere near that never mind you know Pat Pasveer who you know to say he's experienced is uh is an understatement but you know the quality of the header in its own right um I didn't mind I was I was annoyed when he got something against West Ham until I found out about the injury but it was totally understandable when he came off um tonight but his job had been done by that point and the main point from Nunez, absolutely, that I'm taking is we are learning that he is someone who doesn't get frustrated when something, well, sorry, apart from Crystal Palace, of course, when he, he appears to be learning from that. When chances come and go, he doesn't think it's the end of the world. And I think we're not far away from a Darwin Nunez brace 
for example. I don't think we're far away from him getting multiple goals in a game because I would be more concerned if after that goal he hid away and didn't want the ball. But if anything, after that, he wanted the ball more. So it's strange to try and take positives from a horrendous miss. But ultimately, he gave us reasons to do so. I can see him, like you say, that I could easily see him scoring four goals in a game yeah. Um, yeah. with the volume opportunities that he has. Um, got really high he, XG, I saw. I know, so, yeah. Um, he per one, one, one of the highest, yeah. One of the highest, which is, you know, people have, have rightly said is a, a really good sign insofar as the strikers that tend to flop. You know, you look at someone like Lukaku last season. Yeah. How many games did they talk about where there was a disconnect with the rest of the team? And obviously, to a degree, Liverpool are still getting used to Nunez, but you can see that the supply line is there um, and he is a good enough striker to score a very good amount of goals um, when that is in place. In terms of the the miss, in fact, before that, I wanted to just you know say that I thought you made a great point there about responding to the adversity because I've said... A couple of times on here that I think Nunez is too wrapped up in that, but you're right. He he did look quite relaxed almost when it happened, and obviously gets his goal kind of early in the second half. So maybe he is learning to kind of process that a bit better, which is a huge source of um hugely significant challenge for him to to overcome. I think based on what we've seen early on in his career, maybe the biggest um because the ability is certainly there. The miss um apparently. The XG was only 0.55. I've got no idea how the model has, has, come, has come to that conclusion. But um, I said on Twitter that I'm going to just pass it off um, as a 50-50 chance near enough. Um, now that obviously scored in the second half and the, the pressure has been lifted from a little bit, I can say that it was one of the worst misses you'll see all season. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah. uh, you know, I thought for me, you know, it's typical for me, you know, to pass the ball there, but you yeah, know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna place it. Certainly, place any blame um, on him for that. Um, and I guess Nunez generally now uh, six goals in 13 appearances, one every 106 minutes on average. Now, you know, you, you take everything out of the kind of manic context with him, and it, it's looking pretty good for a new striker. Um, More goals, and, Jesus. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. It has to be said. That's the thing. That's um. Going around, and I think it's almost you know, a lot of the times you see these comparisons, and you're like, Oh, it's kind of just football, so it's a nonsense. But that one, I think, has some value in it, insofar as it shows how moments warp the perception of a player. Um, and with Nunez, it's like these obviously these comedic moments, if we're being honest, that he's having are taking the, the focus away from almost the, the, the good record that he has. Um, and you mentioned that about him being subbed off again. Um, as something I noted down during the game to check, he's actually only finished the 90 minutes once um, since the start of the career, which was against Arsenal um, in that 3-2 game. So I think when he starts to almost see the end of games where sometimes they can become a bit more stretched, we might see him get more goals too. And I think that points to Klopp still being quite uh, cautious with him. But let's move on. Um, any other players that stood out for you tonight, Chris? I kind of would venture to say that it was another one of those Liverpool victories, which we've seen a, a few times this season, where nobody really kind of is a, a class above the rest, maybe. 
Now, um, I thought you saw how comfortable Harvey Elliott is in a Champions League atmosphere. And the lad is going from strength to strength. And you, you mentioned, I was going to say about when you were talking about the fluidity of the formation and, and earlier on, and you can't really pinhole it into, into a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. I think he is the epitome of that because... We as fans, I don't know whether you're in the same boat, Dave, I'm still trying to figure out in my head what his best role is because I don't think he's quick enough to be out on the right, but I think he still enjoys being out on the right. I prefer him more in the middle, but he's got, you know, he's kind of around that right inside channel, if you like, but without one dedicated position to call his own. And look, if that means versatility, fantastic. Harvey Elliott is a wonderful young player. Um, if he continues making a big impact for Liverpool, I'm, 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 the, the World Cup is probably too soon, but I very much expect him to be an England international before too long if he continues on this trajectory that he's having. And he was for me. I know Salah got a cold in the system. We're not even talking about him at the moment. It was great to see him playing a bit more central as well. But Harvey Elliott, for me, just how comfortable he looked in those kind of atmospheres. Word on Salah, as I mentioned. Again, you just saw the difference in the man when he's moving into those central areas and the goal came from that, the assist came from that and that is what we need to see more of from Salah to start getting back on a consistent basis to what we're talking about. I mean, the man's still got six goals in the Champions League this season. Yes, heavily padded by the Rangers hat-trick, but we need to see him in that central role more in the league to cause defenders more problems because defenders... When they're up against a central Mohamed Salah, they know how much more work they have to do. So, fingers crossed, we'll see more of that. Um, they were the only two, really, that I thought stood out in terms of needing a mention. If there was one more, I was, you know, it's the first concerted amount of time that we've really seen from Basetic. And I thought he put himself around well. Um, obviously, gave away a few fouls, but tactical fouls, what defensive midfielder doesn't do that? And uh, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised with uh, his showing today. But yeah, um, in terms of senior players, if you want to call Harvey Elliott that, especially Elliott and Salah were the only two, other two really, that I, I enjoyed the performances of. Elliott's finish for the goal was was absolutely brilliant. Right foot as well. Yeah, um, really well taken goal. One of the sort of most emphatic finishes I can, I can think of really from the full player of the season. As for Salah. Um, this was true at half time. I've just had a quick scan now. I'm pretty sure it's true again. It's level with Mbappe now at the top of the Champions League goal chart. So, yeah. um, you know, it's not as great to start to a season, but when, when you're most Ali, you can still be matching Kylian Mbappe um, when, even when that's the case. Um, but to kind of step back a little bit and think about the wider context of this victory, we've had so many times now where we've seen Liverpool come from a big low and then get a really good victory in their next match. The performance tonight, like we said earlier, was, again, not quite game of two halves because it was like just before halftime, but, you know, it it was worrying early on, certainly. So, Chris, I kind of put it here that, like, do, do we just accept that this Liverpool team this season, like a lot of teams that find themselves in top four races, are going to be an inconsistent team is that the reality is other performance levels and the results going to kind of fluctuate a lot or do you have hope that after the world cup 
they can become much more like the Liverpool of previous years, where they're rattling off you know long sequences of victories and churning out the performances. The only thing I'll say about that is, if Liverpool are to be or to get themselves back into the challenge for the top four, you can't afford inconsistency, and that World Cup for a lot of teams. Given that, also, if you look at Liverpool's winter period, I think they and Manchester City are said to have the most congested set of three Premier League games after the restart. The three games now against Leeds, Tottenham and Southampton, they are really, really important because if if you go into that winter break for the World Cup off the back of a poor result or a poor set of results, that is a long month or month and a half. That is a really long time before you start playing again. And I I think for a lot of fans, that might kind of hit thinking of it right now. But say, for example, you know, we're seeing the problems at Wolves at the moment, for example. If they don't win any of their next three games, then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have a horrendous week during the World Cup to get back to action because they'll, 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 want to be trying to play and put things right. Same for Liverpool. They can't afford the inconsistency because other teams won't be inconsistent and other teams will steal a march on Liverpool if Liverpool are inconsistent. So I I get what you mean. It's not something that I want to accept. I'm sure it's not something you want to accept. But Liverpool know to finish in the top four, you have to be consistent. So inconsistency isn't really an option, I don't think. And that, that that's just putting it bluntly. Yeah, I guess you, you just got to see kind of signs within games. I mean, you know, West Ham, we kind of looked at it and, and we were on here, I think, last week saying, let's just focus on the result. We've had the game against City. It was just important to, to follow up that match with three points more so than anything else. But we were terrible. Well, not terrible, maybe, but we were, we were poor in the second half of that game. And then we go and lose against Forest. And then how much do you take the sort of alarm bells from this game as a worrying sign going forward? I guess it's just one of them, really. But on to the last Champions League game next week. Everybody that I've seen, um, and we were on a Merseyside podcast on, on Monday, I think Chris and a similar point was made, are talking about next week, Play, play the youngsters, give players a rest, just relax, enjoy it, kind of no-pressure game. Um, you know, you mentioned Bashetic earlier, you know, people will be calling for him to play, Calvin Ramsey, etc. Am I the only one who thinks that we may as well at least try to go out there and, and win by four goals and, and, get, <laughs> and get top spots in the group? Because um, you've got five subs in the Champions League. And if it's not going to work and if, you know, it, it gets to sort of 50, 55 minutes and you're only kind of winning by one or, or it's goalless or something like that, maybe you can just say, OK, it's realistically it's not going to happen and, and give those players a rest. But it could be something that, that works in our favour. How, how do you think Klopp will do it and how would you kind of approach it next week? It's one of them, isn't it, where it's it's on the the very borderline of dead rubber and not dead rubber. Like, it's it's so close to being one, but at the same time, it kind of isn't. I get what you mean, because 
the whole not having regrets, um, you know, you might as well die trying, those kind of things. Um, I think I can't, I can't see Klopp, you know, saying, oh, let's, let's put out a team of um, Kelleher, Ramsey, Kwanzaa, Basetic, Kananir, Doak, you know, obviously they'll play in the youth league, but I'm not sat here thinking, oh, he's going to drag some of the younger lads up to this game and start them. And ultimately, look at Anfield. Yes, Napoli have really impressed me, both in the Champions League and domestically this season. In fact, I am. They're, they're making me more in more and more interested in Syria. To be honest with you, my interest in Syria has grown over the last year or so. What with uh, AC Milan winning last year, into Milan winning the year before that. So in terms of the competitiveness of the league, it is making me watch it more. Um, and I'm I'm really impressed. Like players like Kvaratskhelia, uh, like he's someone whose career I want to follow because I'm really excited to see how he does. But at the same time, I I, I know what you mean. I'm I'm not sat here saying just don't treat the game like anything because if you don't try, then you won't. For example, you know Barcelona. <laughs> you know yes, in a much less high stakes atmosphere but Liverpool had to win by four that night and if they'd just gone oh we're not gonna then we wouldn't have had one of the greatest Anfield nights of all time so there is the potential for it to be a very special night albeit Napoli have caused problems for Liverpool before even at Anfield and we all remember the uh, the save from Alisson against Milik um, even like the frustrating 1-1 a couple of years ago um, but ultimately given if you think back to this first game in the group when Liverpool were lucky to concede four, um, just concede four in Naples, to be in this position, it's a healthy situation, a situation where I would certainly have taken given match day one. So I'm going into the game with a mentality of give it a go, see what happens, finish second. I'm not going to worry about it. That That's the way I see it as well because, of course, Liverpool finished second in the group in 2018-19 and uh, look how that turned out. Yeah, very true. I, I can see the arguments, I think, on, on both sides. Really. Could get Bruges or Porto with all due respect to both of yeah. them. They'll be team. They'll, they, with all due respect, I feel very disrespectful saying that, but they will be the teams. Let's not, let's not sit here and deny it. They'll be the teams that if you're in either side of that draw, you'll be looking at. Especially given, obviously, Liverpool's history against yeah. uh, Porto. Injuries are a factor too in terms of, you know, we hit pretty hard at the moment. We might want to take an opportunity to get players out the firing line with, especially with the schedule. I think it's going to depend quite heavily on what Napoli do in terms of how I think about it. If Napoli are going to roll up to this game and make loads of changes and think Liverpool aren't going to take it that seriously, we're probably top of the group already. Um, you know, they're Top of Serie A at the moment. They haven't won the league. I've just checked now since uh, nineteen. Maradona. Yeah. So you you're going back a, a long, long way for that, really. Um. So if they're looking at this as a massive opportunity, then maybe their mentality changes this game, and they're like, okay, let's rest all our all our big players. Let's take the chance to do it, um, and maybe that opens up a bit of an opportunity for Liverpool. I think that's a fact that. But anyway, um, let's talk about Premier League and Liverpool's next game 
on Saturday at 7.45, unusual kickoff time, because Liverpool were due to be playing on Sunday, but they've rescheduled it because the, obviously the Napoli game is on Tuesday and this is the only sort of slot they could find for it. So, Chris, what have you made of Leeds so far? Because they've been on a very poor run at the moment, which I believe, and I'll just double-check this now, has them in the bottom three. Yeah, 18th place. Yeah, yeah, two points from the last eight as well. And this is... If you cast your mind back to when they walloped Chelsea 3-0 as well, I was sat there thinking, I am really impressed by this Leeds team. They stayed up by the skin of their teeth last year. Of course, making the change from Bielsa to Jesse Marsh. Marsh. I'll be honest, there's a lot about Jesse Marsh I like. I know know people will make the whole Ted Lasso comments, the comparisons, um, American coaches, those kind of things. But... I appreciate his love for the game. And anyone that loves football, hey, I could sit there and have a conversation with him all day. Um, I, I appreciate his ideas. I appreciate where he's coming from. I mean, we saw with our own eyes how difficult Salzburg were to play when he was in charge of them against Liverpool a couple of years ago with Haaland, Minamino, Huang. Um, and I think he's tried to bring that to Leeds. And I genuinely am surprised that they're in the situation given their first three games because they beat Wolves, they drew with Southampton having been 2-0 up, but then they beat Chelsea so convincingly. And I am really surprised that they've found themselves in this situation now because little things have started to come in, like little easy goals to concede because that was something under Bielsa, wasn't it, um, before he left the club, just how easy leads were to score goals against. And I thought they'd kind of rectified that a little bit. But they've, they've very much gone back to that now, and they're not they're not quite at the the gung ho style that they were under Bielsa because um, I think they'd be even more tired uh, than they are. But I think looking at Leeds because there are a lot of young a lot of players brought in as well. Calvin Phillips leaving was a big blow, of course. Patrick Bamford. We don't know if he's fit from one minute to the other, and he's such a massive player for them. And they're a team that I very much expect Liverpool to get chances against at the weekend. They're a team that, alternatively, I know can attack, but they are a team, ultimately, in the in the bottom three, we saw what Nottingham Forest did last week, but at the same time, let's not sit here and pretend that Liverpool didn't create chances against Nottingham Forest. I think they will create chances against Leeds, and it's a matter of finishing them off like they did tonight. I watched Leeds play against Leicester. Um, they were the... lucky in that one because they hit the bar yeah. as well with Sinistera. Yeah, uh, but but as you, it's at the back. It's at the back. And that's what I was going to say because it kind of hammered home the the thoughts I had about them. I don't think that they're good enough going forward to compensate for the weaknesses they have defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that fair. game. That game. I remember looking at it and thinking. Leicester have barely at the shot, uh, and they're like one one nil, two nil up. Um, so it felt Tell unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, those those obviously stats were mad, obviously, but yeah, I just think with Leeds that that susceptibility is always there, and it's sort of dragging them down. It's not as bad as you know in the last days of Bielsa. They were the the openness was staggering, really, but. 
while Marsh has managed to improve it a little bit from that level, you know, it's still, I'd say they are still one of the, the weakest teams in that regard. And um, hopefully Liverpool can take, can take advantage of that. Um, one player I do like from from them is uh, Brendan Aronson, though. Mm-hmm. He's, he's impressed me when I've watched him. I think he's someone who could cause Liverpool a few problems. The atmosphere at the, at the club going into it is seemingly very very tense you know I, in that game I think Marsh and some of the players went obviously away and uh, and you could see the the away fans really kind of laying into them um, and it sounded like similar things were happening when they, when they lost to Fulham obviously at the weekend so hopefully from Liverpool's point of view when, when you see a club that is kind of lacking that unity you, may, you hopefully would smell a bit of blood but who knows with this Liverpool team at the moment um, let's talk about lineups then if we look at the players who were out tonight um, and might come back, I guess it will be, you'd look at Thiago, obviously suffering with this pretty bizarre ear issue that he's got. Players that were on the bench that maybe might factor, Canate, possibly Simicast was on the bench, Jones, Milner, Cavallio. What changes would you make from tonight, Chris? I think the lineup for Saturday could also show you what you kind of pointed out earlier on about how seriously Klopp might take the Napoli game. Um, I think from today going into the game, I mean, it is literally the only time if, if obviously the game's on Sky Sports that Sky could have kept the game on TV. This was literally the only time that they could play it. Um, Thiago, absolutely, to come back in because whilst I think that there could be other players that could pick the holes just because I think Leeds will leave that many. I just think start him, get the job done, take him off if he needs to be taken off. That's my attitude towards that. Um, I would start Canate for Gomez. I think that if you're talking about building up his minutes, this is an ideal game for that. And I think, I think it's a game that he'd embrace as well. In terms of other, I, I, I can see Simicast starting, especially if he does want to save Robertson for having a crack at Napoli. And Simicast is more than an able deputy in order to come in and do that. So I don't think there would be an issue with that. Um, in terms of other changes, again, I think for the front three, what I saw today as well, and I know we didn't mention him earlier on, I thought Carvalho made a more energetic impact off the bench than he than he has done from his recent starts. And I think that's the way to utilise him at the moment. Because whereas Harvey Elliott, look, he's slotted into that role seamlessly. I think Carvalho might still be adjusting to life a little bit at Liverpool, whereas Elliott had had a longer period before that as well, a bigger adjustment period in order to, to, to get up to the, the pace of elite level football. And... I think that utilising Carvalho off the bench would be quite a good thing. So, again, whilst some people might see it as a game for him to start, I don't see it as a game for him to start. I see it as a game for the front three from tonight to start the game and continue their good work, continue their consistency, continue their creating and scoring of chances. So, I'm thinking along the lines of three changes, which would be Canate, Thiago and Simicas in for Gomez, Henderson and, um, and Robertson. And I think one or two more, perhaps, but I don't think you need an overhaul 
of of the lineup for for Saturday. And it just dawned on me as well that Oxley Chamberlain wasn't on the bench tonight. Of course, we, of course. Do we know why that oh, yeah. was? Well, he, him, and Navigator weren't included in the um, Champions League squad before the start of the tournament, were oh, they? Of course, because, yeah. Be, 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 because of, course, of yeah. because of the injuries, and I think Klopp, yeah. that was I think Klopp anticipated they might be out until after the World Cup. So again, yeah, yeah I, I think like, Leeds Leeds still play with a lot of energy. That's the important thing to say, and Cater. I'm not sure it's suited to energetic games. Won't be ready, yeah. I don't think we ever. Similar with Oxley Chamberlain. Um, I mean, it, it's a tell. It's a it's a discussion for another day in terms of how we view their situations, obviously with with their contracts running out. But yeah. if we get into a situation where there's a considerable lead and bring them on to start to get minutes in their legs, by all means, brilliant. Yeah, and and that's just suppose why I forgot to include Ox in the uh, discussion yeah. Saturday was because I couldn't see him on the bench. But yeah, of course you're right, Chris. They went in the squad because of injury. But that is going to do us for episode 98. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a five star review on Spotify or a positive review on any other podcast platform. And remember also to subscribe to the podcast as well or give it a follow just so every time we upload a new episode, it's there in your feed. So yeah, we will be back after Leeds and before Napoli, but until then, take care.